This is Asia in Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of Asia in Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from our experts in Asia Pacific on the issues that matter most to businesses. Hi, everyone. This is Angela Mancini. I'm a partner at Control Risks, and I head our Asia Pacific Markets Group. In today's program, we're going to discuss Nancy Pelosi's recent visit to Taiwan. That visit took place a couple of weeks back, and the immediate headlines and concern in the run-up to and during her visit have passed. But we're taking a moment now to think about what next. Let's take stock of what's actually been happening in the market, particularly as it relates to businesses, and how they can think about what might come next and how to prepare for that. As we know, it was a very contentious visit. It was the first visit of a U.S. House Speaker in 25 years. The response from the China side was quite strong with sanctions on Pelosi, with live fire military drills, with the Chinese government canceling a series of dialogues and cooperation mechanisms with the U.S. And now, again, what we want to do is think about what businesses might expect to see from the political, from the military, and from the economic situation as it relates to Taiwan going forward. The bottom line takeaway from this episode is, first of all, don't think of this as a one-off. It's more the shape of things to come. And secondly, if your company is not already got um, scenarios and thought through the impacts and, and responses and mitigation for these kinds of escalation, then it's something that really needs attention because we'll see more of these going forward. That was Andy Gilholm, Director of Analysis for China and North Asia Control Risks. Andy's a longtime watcher of North Asia and the geopolitical risks therein, and has been on the phone with many, many clients, uh, again, in the run-up to and the immediate aftermath of the Taiwan visit by Nancy Pelosi. And very keen, Andy, to hear from you today. I mean, you've really been out speaking with so many people in the market. So many clients have called you with questions. You know, again, the visit's passed, but the tensions, of course, remain. Can you please give us, from your perspective, a quick framing of the situation, particularly what you think is happening now, and include, please, if you will, what the perspective is from the China side? This is not the first increase we've had in concern over Taiwan. We we got quite a lot of questions about it in the aftermath of um, beginning, really, of the of the Ukraine crisis, which sparked an increase in awareness of the Taiwan issue again. But what we've seen around the Pelosi visit is probably the biggest increase in in concern and at times panic from some quarters about security issues in in this region, probably since the the 1990s or going back to uh, 2001, the the EP3 um, collision incident over Hainan Island or the the 1999 Belgrade embassy bombing and the fallout from from that. So this has kind of broken new ground in a way in that although most of our clients are are now very well adjusted to and used to this US-China competition and at times confrontation in the economic sphere and the diplomatic sphere, it has been much less of a concern in terms of physical security and and the military sphere. 
and whilst as was always likely to be the case there was no um no conflict no real military incident around pelosi's visit the military exercises things like the missile tests that overflew taiwan main island and the intensity and the location and the number of median line crossings during those exercises in various ways this was unprecedented so the concern of course is that that has set a new threshold and i think it's important now that the dust has settled uh, a couple of weeks on this has faded from the headlines as you said angela i think it's important not to think that that's it because that almost certainly will not be it um this is a a taste of things to come unfortunately there will be more triggers and we've got one now of a of a much much lesser magnitude with other us politicians currently visiting taiwan so what we've um seen i think from clients this is just another a wake up call really to the the scope for escalation here the other important aspect of this and you mentioned the, the chinese perspective i think some of the reporting of of pelosi's visit and china's reaction if you weren't following these events regularly you, you might be forgiven for thinking that you know pelosi visited and china had a extremely strong reaction out of the blue and this was just a rhetorical outburst if you like in fact i think you know the the background to this is is really important and explains why we expect more of these kind of episodes and that is that from the chinese perspective which of course the, the us rejects and they've said it was an overreaction from china but from china's perspective it wasn't so much pelosi's visit itself in isolation that uh, prompted such a so- strong response to them this was the latest and one of the most major in a, a long standing series of actions mainly from the us in the past year or two which china thinks has eroded us policy commitments on taiwan which have kind of underpinned the status quo on taiwan for for decades and the most commonly cited aspects of that are the the us position of of strategic ambiguity over whether or not they would intervene in a conflict to defend taiwan and the one china policy and china's been protesting about actions and and trends and indicators in this direction for a long time and i think they feel that that has not um prevented this trend continuing and that nobody's really listening and in a sense they're probably right because even after everything that we've seen around pelosi's visit i think it hasn't really changed much in the debate in washington or elsewhere in you know in the uk and japan and some other places I think the trend is still towards getting tougher and getting more vocal on this issue and China sees that as getting closer and closer to its undefined red lines so unfortunately this is as i say the the shape of things to come Yeah and you mentioned of course the visit that's happening now the five congress people that are there led by Senator Markey from Massachusetts and again to your point that 
the U.S. certainly is not changing any of its posture based on any of reaction that that came out of the Pelosi visit. But let me press you a little bit further on the regional outlook. So a lot of businesses here are really concerned about, you know, what does this now mean either in the immediate term, in the longer term, we've had questions come to us and we've seen in the press a discussion around, is there a, a peak year for risk for Taiwan? Is it this year? Is that later down the road? Can you just give us a little bit more of your analysis as it relates to the outlook of what we can expect here in the region? Well, I think the idea of there being a peak year for risk or you know, a lot of dates get thrown around 2023, 2027, I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. I think this idea of 2023 being a, a peak year for risk is is wrong. I think um, I, I can see the logic for that. People have suggested that um, after the party congress later this year in China, there'll be period for maybe taking stronger action after a relatively sort of stability-focused year of 2022. I don't really see much to support that view I think 2024 is an important year because of election in Taiwan, but probably more importantly in terms of drivers for potential future escalation over Taiwan between the US and China, the the US presidential election could have a big impact on what the, if you like, the ceiling for, for US action on Taiwan could be beyond 2024. So that's one to look out for. But I think probably more useful than trying to, you know, predict what year something might happen is looking at the potential triggers for that and what could be, you know, at a, at a shorter term monitoring level, the things that might bring a change. So, for example, there's a lot of pieces of legislation in the US Congress that relate to Taiwan that could bring another round of responses from China So I think those are more useful as a practical response and also using scenarios to to base planning and and forecasting on rather than trying to just say, okay, this is the year that there will be a war. Um, It's more useful to to be monitoring proactively and to, to plan around scenarios, not just for a war scenario, but probably more importantly for a lot of lesser escalation scenarios, which are less extreme, but a lot more likely. We'll return to the conversation with Andy in just a moment. If you'd like to read more of Andy's analysis on the region as it relates to Taiwan, but other jurisdictions as well, please do click on the link below to access the podcast notes. And if you are interested in more analysis and insight similar to this, we have a large pool of global analysts that look at these issues in a very in-depth basis. And you can find their analysis on the Our Thinking section on our website, or again, you can click on the links below in the podcast notes. And now, Andy, let's uh, come back and continue the conversation. You've had so many conversations with clients, again, in the run-up to the visit that we saw from Nancy Pelosi, obviously in the immediate vicinity of the visit, and then, you know, looking forward. And I know you've had some great advice as it relates to thinking about scenarios and planning not just for war risk, but other triggers that might be less uh, headline-grabbing, but no less impactful and possibly more likely. 
But can you talk us through a little bit about what you're hearing specifically from clients based on the interactions and discussions you've been having? What are businesses' top concerns right now? And, you know, a a lot of clients have said to to me, uh, you know, what else are we not thinking about? We saw the situation in Ukraine. We saw the situation in Taiwan. Neither one of those were things that we really thought were going to happen. What might be next that we're not thinking about? Can you give us some insight into what you're advising clients? Well, in the immediate aftermath of the visit, we did get a lot of the the security-focused questions. And it's always important there to remember that whilst most of the questions and the, the first instinct, I think, of companies is to think about the potential impact on Taiwan itself, their their investments or their, their assets, their people, their operations there, most of the, the bigger questions that come up when you start actually looking into the the potential impact of a crisis over Taiwan are very much regional. And most companies, of course, have far greater exposure on the mainland. And that's where I, I think these scenarios start to become quite alarming for a lot of companies, frankly. And Taiwan is just one of many potential triggers for an escalation in US-China conflict. And that goes beyond the security sphere, of course. So some of the things that are most pressing in clients' mind, I think, are on, on the supply chain front. And that doesn't only mean supplies globally coming out of Taiwan. I think that there's a lot of awareness of the centrality of Taiwan and some of its leading companies to the semiconductor industry and the disruption that that, that could bring people make a lot of parallels with the fallout from the Ukraine crisis and what that did to certain supplies to to global prices and availability. But the big thing that troubles a lot of companies in the case of Taiwan is this incredibly deeply embedded, sophisticated, and very important supply chain connections between Taiwan and the mainland. So a lot of mainland manufacturing and operations is dependent on on things coming out of Taiwan. So even without a major conflict, a major military conflict, and even without the scenario of a, a blockade of Taiwan, China has many, many levers they can pull in terms of uh, regulatory levers to disrupt those supply chains even without doing anything in the physical space. So import and export controls, we've seen some of that um, sanctions on Taiwanese companies. We've also seen some of that. And problems with customs, inspections, labeling inspections, we've seen that disrupting supply chains and and having knock-on effects on multinationals in China. So that, that hasn't been hugely disruptive so far. And we've seen the targeting focused very much on Taiwanese businesses, not US or other multinational ones so far. But I think it's a reminder of the degree of uh, dependence and uh, you know how tightly enmeshed these supply chains are. And companies are, I think, you know, already been looking at that to some degree for years, but this has been put greater urgency on that, I think, to think about what the long-term scenarios of how sustainable, 
how stable uh, those kind of linkages will be uh, going forward. So that's kind of revived the the decoupling debate, if you like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had clients call us from a wide range of sectors, as you know, right? There's obviously there's tech, there's manufacturing, there's professional services, there's kind of everything in between. And that advice that you just outlined, I think is very, very good to think about the degree of connection between Taiwan and the mainland is, again, it's, it's much deeper than you might just hear about in the headline news and you think it just about semiconductors and EVs and the like. But can you then just talk us through what exactly are you advising clients then? Because what we're hearing is a lot of sectors are you know at risk or exposed in a lot of different ways than maybe they think. Taiwan is only one potential trigger in the U.S. trend tensions that they need to be be mindful for. This isn't going away. This is the shape of things to come. So now what? <laughs> what what can businesses do to plan for this and and be ready to respond and do the best they can for their businesses given this very complicated situation? This is obviously a really tough question that differs greatly from company to company. In a lot of cases, our clients have already been looking at aspects of this going back to you know the early period of the, the trade war when the focus was on tariffs. So obviously the Taiwan situation and the risks stemming specifically and directly from that in relation to, to Taiwan, there are some specific dynamics and exposure there. But it's really, as I say, part of that that wider conversation about the level of exposure to and integration of people's China businesses. So with a lot of companies, they've already done most of what they feel that they can do or are willing to do at this point in terms of, you know, diversifying beyond China or, you know, insulating their their China business from its global business and, and vice versa. And for a lot of companies, you know, there's a limit to what they can do without having a, a large commercial cost. So, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit of risk mitigation, if you like, has already been reaped for a lot of firms. And it's not that simple anymore. You know, it isn't as if there's an easy alternative to, to China for a lot of companies in terms of manufacturing and supply chain. Maybe your geopolitical risk is lower somewhere else but it might be a much more difficult operating environment. It might lack the infrastructure. For some industries, there just isn't an alternative. And certainly for those companies that are in China, for the China market, there isn't an alternative really. So a lot of companies, I think, you know, they're really looking at sort of fine tuning what they've already got. But there's also a lot of companies who have not really gone that far with those conversations so far and uh, i guess to be frank maybe ignoring the elephant in the room a little bit the you know the idea of losing the china market or the idea of a, a really major fundamental shift away from china in their manufacturing and supply chains is just too daunting or too damaging commercially to really grasp that that nettle. So there are a few companies for whom uh, the Taiwan situation might be the, you know, the trigger for doing that. But for a lot of them, I I think it would take something even beyond this to have people 
really look at that that more fundamental as i say it, in a sense it's a little bit like the decoupling debate all over again and all the conversations companies had internally around that but it's really it's not going to be one trigger i think it's a long-term combination of maybe less confidence in economic growth in china concerns around zero covid and the implications of that concerns about um, the domestic regulatory environment in china and then the geopolitics on top of that i think is is pushing companies um to to reassess these things and really as i say grasp the nettle plan for some of the more extreme scenarios as well as some of the um you know the the more likely ones and we're seeing a lot of companies kind of restart those conversations but it's really very individual now from industry to industry and from from company to company great thanks andy that was a great discussion so to sum up what i hear you saying is the Taiwan situation is the shape of things to come. We're seeing uh, tensions certainly not reduce, but stay the same or or get stronger as we go forward. And what businesses need to be aware of is that this is just one potential trigger of many. And China has many levers that they can possibly employ in order to create issues with the Taiwan supply chain, again, things that aren't just related to semiconductors and the like. So in sum, quite a lot for businesses to consider. Again, as you mentioned, very individualistic in terms of what businesses can do to think about what what the issues are and how to respond to it. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. It's going to be really dependent on which sector they're in, what their business model is, what specifically their supply chains are and the like. And I know, as we've spoken about prior to this discussion, that's what a lot of our focus has been on in terms of advising clients is really kind of breaking through the noise of the headline issues and thinking through how specifically are companies exposed and what the triggers might be for them and how they can think about scenarios and plans for their very individualized businesses. So thank you for that. It's been a really great discussion. Thanks for our listeners to tuning in. Uh, thank, this is all for today's Asian Focus. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they are published. And that's it for now. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of Asia in Focus, be sure to subscribe and make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.